This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Played by Shetland Band Homebrew, signal 8.30pm the last Monday each month for the Shetland and Orkney Connection, produced by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and broadcast on Plans FM 96.9, either directly in Canterbury or streaming live globally on broadband, or available for three months after the broadcast via podcast on the website www.plansfm.org.nz. Welcome everybody to the May edition of the Shetland and Orkney Connection. It's presented by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and is promoted by Community Radio Plains FM 96.9. The programme is broadcast at 8.30pm on the last Monday of each month and is repeated on Monday two weeks later at noon. Yeah, well there's only Jan and myself here today as Helen is recovering from COVID. So I hope you'll be back to your old self soon, Helen. And I'm sure some of you have wondered what the Shetland and Orkney Society is all about. Well, it's a group of people here in Christchurch, New Zealand, who have family connections to both the Orkney or Shetland Islands. We meet five or six times a year to talk and swap news, have occasional speakers and look at DVDs of the islands. We are always on the lookout for new members. You can contact me, Heather, by email at h e z a at extra, and that's X-T-R-A dot co dot NZ. Now some snippets from the papers. Last week, two Orkney men in an epic mission to personally, personally deliver aid items for the people of Ukraine travelled thousands of miles and through eight countries to do so. Journalist Mark Harkis, sub-editor of The Orcadian, and Paddy O'Neill, an HGV driver for Macadian Reeve, unloaded a lorry and trailer laden with mattresses and boxes of bedding, clothes, shoes, children's toys, toiletries and sanitary products in Romania for Ukraine refugees. The GAN, the Distance for Ukraine, appeal attracted widespread support and generosity since it was established in March. Around £15,000 was raised and thousands of items were donated. The skirl of the pipes provided a sense of occasion at St Margaret's Hope as Piper Lawrence Tate piped the pair off on board MV Alfred for the beginning of their great trip to Romania. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't a small truck. It was, you know, one of the big heavy 
HGV trucks with a right. trailer. It was huge and it was absolutely packed. Oh, good I on mean, that, that's Orkney again and Shetland's the same, isn't it? They're so generous with... So the, much from such yeah, a small place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. And they do it all the time. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Now, how are you at acting? A call has gone out across Orkney for locally based people to audition for the Hollywood production of Amy Liptrot's memoir, The Outrun. The film company is looking for women aged 20 to 60 and men aged 20 to 50. Praising the pool of talent available in Orkney, Catherine Stewart from Kathleen Crawford Casting Agency said, Everything is up in Orkney that we need. You must live in Orkney and no acting experience is necessary. They would like some recent photos of you and would also like to know a bit about your accent. Ah, the gorgeous accent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we couldn't sneak over and take part, could we? Oh, yeah, I think we could, yeah. We'd we have could. trouble with our Kiwi accents. <laughs> yeah, the acting might be the problem, yeah. Mm. <laughs> a hidden side of St Magnus Cathedral has been unmasked by a group of hard-working volunteers and now visitors can take in the fruits of their labour. Most people who go into the cathedral are left in awe of its beautiful red sandstone pillars and ornate stained glass windows. But did you know that etched in the very fabric of the building itself is graffiti spanning back centuries? Visitors can take a journey through the history of these carvings, from mason's marks to superstitious etchings to plain vandalism. Some of the mason's marks found were similar to those found in Durham Cathedral. It's the only complete surviving medieval cathedral in Scotland, so it was thought it would be a good opportunity for the public to have a look. Although it's obviously an amazing 12th century building, it's still in use, so there are characters not only from when it first was first built, but throughout its rich history. It's an amazing opportunity to have a crawl around and see spaces that you wouldn't normally see. Mm, wouldn't mind having a look, but whether I'll ever get back there. Mm. The mm. thought of 22 hours flying doesn't <laughs> sort of turn you on much, does it? Not mm. these days, no. <laughs> Construction can finally begin on the Saxo Ward spaceport in Shetland after the final planning hurdles were overcome. Saxo Ward Chief Executive Fang Stang said that final two pieces of the planning jigsaw had been approved. With a preparatory work underway, we can look forward to a busy summer of construction work and ultimately to reaching the goal of the first vertical rocket launch later in the year. That'd be excitement in Shetland. I'd mm. say it's funny mm. how it echoes New Zealand in so many ways. It does, yeah. Mm. Mm. Concern has been growing over increasing numbers of confirmed avian flu cases that have affected birds in both Shetland's nature reserves. Dead or dying birds have been spotted on beaches and cliff tops. The avian virus is passed between birds by direct contact or via contaminated body fluids and faeces. It can also be spread by contaminated feed and water. Much like human flu, the virus mutates, often making treatment a reactive process. Mm, a jolly problem, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. A scary's man, Ryan Arthur, is digitising thousands of photos from the 1800s to the 1900s. It was during the clean-up after his mother's death that the photos and negatives were found in various places around the house. Some were in quite bad condition, so the need to do something with them was urgent. He bought a negative scanner and set to work, and so far has done about 3,500 images, with thousands more to go. 
One unnamed lady was identified as a woman living in New Zealand who had been in Scaries as a child. The photos cover a range of subjects from day-to-day living, children at play to, and a lot of weddings. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another snippet from the 1999 Orcadian. Shetland has always had the problem of being in a little box at the top right-hand corner of maps of the UK. In 1999, both Shetland and Orkney were left out of the new Ordnance Survey nationwide road atlas, as the cost of including them was too high. Publisher Bounty Bounty Books admitted that the omission was part of a cost-cutting exercise. Because the atlas was only priced at £2.99, from a price point of view, the islands had to be excluded. Because it is such a competitively priced atlas, we were limited to a number of pages, and unfortunately, Orkney and Shetland had to be dropped from the atlas. Isn't that disgusting? Oh, <laughs> goodness me. <laughs> and I have got a couple of those cheap atlases at home, but I can't say so I've ever noticed whether Orkney or Shetland's been on them. You'll be looking now. <laughs> yeah, I will, yeah. Well... Work to refurbish Kirkwall Skate Park has been completed and hailed as a transformation of the popular local site. Opened in 2005, the skate park has developed a devoted clientele and recently featured in the BBC Adventure Show. However, after 15 years, it was felt it needed resurfacing and more and better challenges for those who made use of the park. They have had folk on bikes, scooters, rollerblades, skateboards and roller boots, all using the new features, which make the whole project worthwhile. Hmm. From the Orcadian, October 1950. In October 1950, Westray had a professional visit from one of Kirkwall's dentists, the first for many moons. He began operations in the middle of the afternoon and was kept busy collecting ivory until 3am. This involved definite hardship for the unfortunate patients to say nothing for the overworked dentist. It's unpleasant enough getting teeth out at any time of the day, but fancy having to sit and wait until 3am. I dread to think because I need to go to the dentist myself. (laughs) I keep putting it off. (laughs) If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Shetland and Orkney Connection presented by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and promoted by Community Radio Plains FM 96.9. The programme is broadcast at 8.30pm on the last Monday of each month and repeated on Monday two weeks later at noon. Mm. Now, in the last uh, Shetland Times, they were talking about the Jubilee celebrations they were having and the Orcadian came in today, well, well, it was a week ago actually, uh, and they are having very similar things like parties, beacon lighting and a 21-gun salute have been planned to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. With less than a week until the four-day weekend gets underway, organisers of Shetland events have been busy making final preparations. The 150th Regiment Royal Artillery will perform a 21-gun salute called a Fire of Joy at noon on the 11th of June. Shetland will also have a role in the Platinum Jubilee Beacons and Orkney is also um, joined with us too, mm. which are being lit throughout the UK, with Unst being the most northerly. Beacon chains, once used for communication, have become a focal point for national celebrations, including Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee in 1897. Living Lerwick is planning some of the biggest community celebrations over the weekend. 
A street party will be held in South Commercial Street with live music from seven local bands, a bar and carnival games for the bands, provided by the RNLI volunteers as well as face painting. There will also be plenty of food and drink on offer from cafes, takeaways and restaurants. And as I said, Shet, uh, Orkney is having very similar things with, a, with garden parties and tea parties and family day on the Saturday too. So they're making a big thing of it, but nothing much has been said about it here, is it? Well, actually, I am going to a Greyhound afternoon, royal afternoon oh, tea. Oh, well, <laughs> so the dogs are celebrating. <laughs> Okay, Orcadia, from the Orcadian, Thursday, May the 1st, 1947. Ration book issue, 1947-48. to 48. The public are reminded that before a new ration book can be issued, the old ration book and identity card must be produced. It would facilitate the work of the food office staff if those members of the public who have lost or inadvertently destroyed their ration book and identity card would make immediate application to their local food office for replacement of these documents. Further, a, if the address last recorded on the identity card differs from the address at which the holder is residing, or b, if the identity card has been torn, illegible, or bears an erasure, or c, if the holder of the identity card unthinkingly inserts a new address in one of the blank spaces, thus invalidating the identity card, the holder should, without delay, take his identity card to the local food office in order that a new card can be issued. Mm. My goodness. Yeah, <laughs> those were the days, weren't they? Weren't yeah. they, yeah. Now, I don't think I'd fancy doing this either. The roof of St Magnus Cathedral is swept twice a year, once in spring and again in autumn, after all the leaves have fallen. And yes, there are some trees around the cathedral. They're lovely trees around that cathedral. They are, yeah. <laughs> it is the many duties that the stonemasons have to carry out. The roof is swept to remove leaves, moss and mud that may build up over time. If the leaves are allowed to build up, then water would not be able to flow off the roof proper, properly. Vacuum cleaning the upper, upper levels and staircase of the cathedral is another job for the cathedral stonemasons. The building is cleaned from top to bottom once a year. The upper levels are cleaned due to the steady build-up of dust from the stone and mortar, which is slowly crumbling, and is only done once a year because it's such a long job, and it must be a huge job. Yeah. Imagine trying to clean the... But that can mean the roof because it's so jolly steep. <laughs> Who would want to get up and do that? But I imagine that their health and safety is... Um, Pretty, uh, oh, they'll be tied to the roof yeah. somehow, yeah. Well under control. <laughs> All right. Again, the Orcadian, September 1999. A life on the open road, road may not be for everyone, but for a former Papa Stronce family, the, the Romains, it all seems to have suited them quite well. So much so that they're still enjoying the wandering life as part of a travelling gypsy fair. Ten years after leaving Papa Stronce, they have travelled thousands of miles and visited dozens of countries, including New Zealand. There in the South Island, they came across a little town with a distinctly Orcadian feel. The streets of Palmerston, they discovered, have Orkney names. After seeing signs for, among others, Ronaldsay Street, Coppenshaw Street, Stronsa Street and Sanday Street, they called in at the local council and learned that the town plans had been drawn up in Britain. The work of an Orcadian surveyor, perhaps. 
Not quite the same spelling as the islands in Orkney, though. Mm. Yeah, no, I've seen them. I, you know, I came from North Otago, so I've been through Renfield and Palmerston. I've seen those streets. Yeah. There's also Kirkwall Street as well. So it's, right. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay, now, this was written by Patricia Long, and it's talking about the bombing of Orkney. And it was, you know, one of the first actions of the um, Second World War, actually. On the evening of March the 16th, 1940... Orcadians slowly realised that the planes they could hear were not British and that the guns were not just practising. The first serious air raid of World War II had begun. At least 15 aircraft attacked Orkney, with Stennis feeling the worst effects. The Germans claim that airfields at Kirkwall and Strumness were attacked supports the theory that the airfield beside the Brig of Waith was mistaken for a military target. The building at the nearby junction became famous as Orkney's nightclub, the Golden Slipper. But in 1940, it was Willie Farquhar's cobbler's shop. Men gathered there in the evening, so Willie and his mother, Ellen, sold lemonade, sweets and cigarettes. Two young females lived nearby, James and Lily Eisbister with the three-month-old Neil, and Alfie and Cathy Linklater with ten-month-old Freddie. Isa McLeod's house was just across the road. Alan Farquhar described that night to the Orcadian. No one paid much attention to the noise until... Gunfire, such as I have never heard before, lit up the whole district like red and shook the house. Several times we heard thuds and the boys said that that was the bombs bursting. The young lads by this time were clearing off to their various homes. The glare made by so many red flashes from the guns shone over the hills and across the sky. All the time it flickered as different guns were fired. The noise was frightsome. Then the bombs fell. I just saw a blue and white flame which dazzled me at the same moment as a terrible explosion shook everything. The shop window crashed in and I was half choked with dust. I rubbed my eyes and saw William sagging against the door. He was half doubled up and I knew he had been hit. I struggled towards him but the sight went from me and I felt suddenly weak. When I more or less came to, Willie was attending to me instead of me attending to him. Blood was pouring from a wound in his thigh. When he got me all right, he told me to stay where I was and he left me to go and help any of the other folk who might be hurt. Willie was interviewed for the next week's paper. My first thought was for my mother, and I was relieved to see her on her feet. The two young lads, Tom Work and Billy Clouston, were there too. Everybody was looking very scared, as far as I could see through a cloud of dust. When we got outside, the first thing I saw was Jim Ibister lying in his doorway. His feet were outside, and his head was inside. He was lying on his back with his arms upward, just as the force of the explosion had thrown him. Lily, his wife, was out by this time. She called to me to come and help her lift Jim inside. We made to lift him. I knew he was dead. I could see that the spirit had gone from him. Mm. Alfie Linklater came on the scene at a run. He was sort of limping. Like me, he was losing blood, but we were able to do something. We got Jim into the house and laid him on the bed. By that time, Jim Scott of Biggins was here and he got back into his car and went to Strumness for assistance. James Isbister 
was just 27 when he became the first British civilian to be killed by enemy action in World War II. The Blitz did not begin until September, so the nation's attention was drawn to Orkney. The Illustrated magazine published a six-page article in April. Things could have been worse, as 19 bombs fell around the houses. The worst affected was Isa McLeod's. Young John Flett, who had been cycling from Stromness, ran to help. I arrived at the back of the cottage that appeared to have got the worst of it. It was still standing, but was absolutely shaken to bits. Half the slates were off the roof, and I could see the moon through it. A man grabbed me by the arm and cried, There's a wife in that hoose. He and another man were making to go in when I saw the woman appear in the doorway among the wreckage. She was obviously injured, but when somebody asked, Are you hurt? She replied, Not so bad. A smithy used to stand at the junction, and James Ibister's brother John was the blacksmith. It must have been a terrifying night for all those involved. It really must have been, I think. And it, it's always surprised me that Orkney didn't have more air raids because of Scapa Flow, and the, the fleet was you know, based there, and yeah. the, they didn't seem to get it um, so much. It's always surprised me that. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's that time again when we have come to the end of our program for this month. COVID seems to be getting closer and closer to me as several of my friends have now come down with it. And I've just had a phone call from my brother to say that he's just come down with it. Him and his partner have come down with it, so it's getting closer. Mm. We'll just keep my fingers crossed and hope for the best. I hope Helen will be back with us next month. Cheerio for now and keep safe. Bye for now.